Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, we are delighted to do so with Sam Stone on your way home. We do this every Thursday when he's available and in town. Sam is his own um, host of his own radio show, Breaking Battlegrounds, heard on this station, 960, every Saturday at 3 p.m. He's a political consultant in town, and you can follow him on Twitter, Twix at Sam the Paul. He's such a good sport it's actually his image on on twix is 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 twix it's we had a creative <laughs> listener design the logo and um thank you for helping push that along sam oh and his listener thank the listener because that was that's a great logo and i i gotta thank twitter uh x twix for leaving it up because yeah. frankly i think most companies would take a you know copyright infringement to that thing in a heartbeat it tells me they're gonna probably make a move towards going with it that's what it tells me I think they should make a move yeah. towards going with it because Twix is delicious and nobody has any idea what X is. No, and you can't say it. You just can't say I X'd the following. I mean, or my X. It, it, well, it it sounds like you just murdered. Somebody. It sounds like you either killed someone or got divorced. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's 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 not good. And um, anyway, it's good to have you, Sam. I want to do some politics and policy with you. But first, we haven't done a food review in a long time, and young David asked if you had thoughts on any local Southern cuisine. I do. Uh, So, yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I do. I'm a huge fan of J.L. Smokehouse. Oh, I don't know it. Where is that? Uh, So, J.L. Smokehouse is absolutely brilliant, and I always have trouble finding it. So I'm actually having to relook it up on the map here. But um, it's it's downtown Phoenix. Basically. Oh, no kidding. So, J.L. Smokehouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so down on Broadway, just off of 24th yeah, Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know what? You, you know what I think I like most about it? It's the totally non-pretentious, not upscale, just, basic basic southern great southern cooking in a restaurant that you know it should be transported straight into you know baton rouge or new orleans look at that that. barbecued spaghetti yeah smoked fried barbecue wings oh my god okay can you take me that bologna sandwich gosh that's nothing better than a bologna sandwich oh my goodness the place is it's got like zero pretension and five-star food, and which beef is ribs. exactly what I love. And beef oh, ribs, beef. that's hard yes. to find, too. Okay, yes. you may have a winner. I'll tell you what I am partial to. And um, they used to have a place in town and country. They're now just in Mesa, and it's called Baby K's, Cajun Kitchen. I don't know if you've ever been to Baby K's. I have I have not been to Baby K's. I have heard about it, though, and ne- I've heard it's very good. Yeah, next time you're in Mesa, uh, that's where they've le- relocated. Two sisters own it. They are the... Daughter of um, an old Phoenix family, a family I actually know knew a little bit growing up. Maybe you knew them too, or, or not. But Romero was the name, and the two sisters run it. Uh, they're actually twins, and they do a great job, a great job. So next time you're in Mesa, 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. And I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. I think out. our next I, our next uh, trip will be to J&L's, you and me. I yeah. should also throw in a pitch for one of my very good friends. His daughter is a, a waitress and uh, hostess at the Southern Rail, which is also very good. And closing. More upscale. And closing. And closing, which is, uh, you know, terrible. Sam, thank you for that. You uh, you know the culture. You know a lot. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about politics. I was spending some time yesterday talking about this with John Shattuck, whom you know, former congressman, and uh, it was part of my monologue today. This increasing use of the evident theme of the Biden reelection campaign, which is that Republicans are a threat to democracy. It's a weird locution. It's weird on a lot of fronts, including that it's running an entirely negative campaign. It's odd that you would run a re-election on negativity, but that seems to be really all they have. They have one day and one person, and they want to paint the entire party as anti-democratic because of one day and one person. Yeah, well, frankly, it, it has some echoes from the Obama 2012 re-election okay. campaign. When it, that was an incredible, people forget but that was an incredibly negative campaign that was all about Republicans are racist and yep. black and brown people have to turn out in huge numbers to yep. stop the racism. Yep. Um, and it worked. And I think that's where they're running back to. I really liked your monologue today. I, I, I think there's a really fundamental issue here is that Democrats have decided it's not that Republicans or Trump or anything now is a threat to democracy because we aren't, as you noted, a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. It's that we're a threat. Donald Trump, this campaign, is a threat to their plans to overturn the constitutional republic, essentially wipe out the Constitution and move towards some quasi form of a direct democracy. And the the reason and and likely in their vision a one party state direct democracy it's democracy in the chinese manner not not any sort of um you know philosophically greek historical democracy but that's the vision and the threat is not to the institutions that exist the threat is to their ambition sam i think this can't be stated strongly enough because what they continue to do in in this kind of language, particularly Joe Biden. By the way, interesting, you did a call back to 2012. He was a cheerleader for that. This is in that it was in that campaign. He famously said Mitt Romney wants to put black people in chains back in chains. Right. Right. And that was, you know, the, the folders full of women. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that was the avenue they took was basically to say in that campaign that if you're a white male, you can go ahead and vote for Romney. But those white males are evil, and so everyone else has to vote for uh, Barack Obama. And this time they're saying, you know, if you love America, you can vote right. for Donald Trump. Um, but otherwise you have to vote for Joe Biden. You know, interestingly enough, just one more point on the 2012 campaign, unless you have more. But one more thought it occurs to me. I've, I've brought this up before. They went after Mitt Romney, hammer and tong, as strongly as they went against Donald Trump. 
Mitt Romney is the kind of Republican they're always lecturing us we should use more of. That's the funny thing about it. You know, we don't have a lot of use. I won't speak for you. I don't have a lot of use for Mitt Romney. But he's always being crammed down our throat as the model of the Republican. If the Republican Party were more like Mitt Romney or where's the Republican Party of Mitt Romney, if it was reasonable like Mitt Romney, he would get fawning glows on shows like The View or what have you. They promote him to us and then – but – when we used him or had him or he was the standard bearer, they tore him to pieces like jackals. Well, that's incredibly calculating and deliberate on yeah. their part. I yeah. mean, first off, you know, this whole idea that somehow Donald Trump is outside the mainstream, right. he may be in some of the ways he talks about things. But if you look at what he did in office and his actual policy, the things he stands for, they are, as you pointed out numerous times, highly mainstreamed. Um, so what they're trying to do is to say, I mean, look, a Mitt Romney is very little threat to the Democrat agenda because Democrats are aligned with big business. And right. a Mitt Romney, his only interest is in the big corporate, you know, aligns with the big corporate interest. And then he's not going to fight for anything else. Right. So, of course, that's what Democrats want. They want someone who professes to, you know, essentially the same platform as Donald Trump, but who won't fight for it. Yeah, I think that's right. And and who will be happy to take uh, take a sledgehammer to his own party. They, they like that part of him, too. Um, he's, they love that. Yeah, he's, yeah he's one of their useful better. idiots, so to speak. I mean, he's not literally an idiot, but you take the point. Yep. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And, you know, look, I, I think at the end of the day. And I've said this over and over, and it bears repeating as many times as it takes to get through to the Republican, you know, business class, Republican establishment, whatever you want to call them or they want to call themselves traditional Republicans. I think this bears repeating over and over and over. It was the failure of the Mitt Romney type candidates to enact the things that they campaigned on that right. led to the rise of the political version of Donald Trump. I think Donald right. Trump, the politician, does not exist. If Republican candidates had kept their promises after they were elected, I think that's right. I think that's right because he doesn't, and 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 he doesn't exist if he pays lip service to their nostrums, which is what Mitt Romney does. You know, he's trying to prove he's not. He's more interested in taking a liberal reporter's question and trying to prove that he's not all as bad as the reporter is, whereas someone like uh, Donald Trump takes their fastball and throws it away because he doesn't care about it. Right. That's, that's, that's kind of the image I have. Let me take a quick commercial break, Sam Stone. I want to come back on a little bit more of this with you when, when we do. Sam Stone is my guest. He is the host of his own radio show, Heard Every Saturdays, Breaking Battleground at 3 p.m. And you can follow him on Twitter X, what we call Twix, at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. He is a uh, political consultant in town. He joins us every Thursday at uh, 5 o'clock. Sam Stone for your ride. Hey, Sam, you want to have a laugh? Little little bit of a laugh here. Hey, um, we need it. Yeah, we, this, we may need this it. This world needs laughs. Really. I don't know how the like, staff did this here, <laughs> but they somehow probed. I've often joked that. The inside of my head is like it, there's a committee always going on in my head. Sometimes it's a full joint session of Congress. You know, it's a it's a jumble of different. They somehow probed in my head and put together a recording of it. And the funny thing about it is you're in it. 
You're you're in this. You obviously are in my head. Do you want to hear it? It takes some careful listening. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yep, the staff did away. this yesterday. Okay, here here's here's what it's like to be in my head. I don't know why. Well, I'm they don't have coconuts in all Switzerland. This episode of the Obviously taking uh, taking space in my head too. I, I think this could be problematic. You may have one of those like CIA remote <laughs> yeah, in your so. office. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Uh, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Um, uh, yes. Okay. So uh, Joe Biden's effort to say Republican re-election effort to say re- uh, Republicans are a threat to democracy. Um, so one of the interesting things about this to me is he often will say there is a minority in this country. That's the locution he uses. He 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 says that there is a minority in this country that wants to take away your rights, um, that there there is a um, an extreme minority, he likes to call it, um, a determined minority doing everything in its power to destroy our democracy. The weird thing about our democracy in that locution there's a there's a there's a determined minority doing everything to destroy our democracy the weird locution is the reason precisely we aren't a democracy is to protect minority rights now i don't know whether we're a minority or they're a minority i just don't know but when you well, look at the way they treat us it's clear minority or dissenting political rights are the least thing they are concerned with in fact the thing that was on Jefferson's and Madison's and Hamilton's mind, how to protect minority rights, is what they trampled to become, as you put it earlier, a one-party state. When you look at the First Amendment, when you look at the coercion of social media, when you look at their at their efforts to uh, at their efforts to uh, suppress school board meetings, or when they have disinformation governing boards, when they talk about uh, that kind of stuff to stifle dissent. As they're trying to do what, Sam? Take unelected people like judges and secretaries of state in Maine to take our candidate off the ticket. They preen and prattle about democracy. It's a very weird thing, Sammy. Well, go go back to what they did uh, prior to the 2020 election in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and other states where they illegally um, changed the rules of the election. People who had no authority to do such thing did it unilaterally. And unfortunately, I consider that, by the way, the singular failure of this Supreme Court okay. uh, under under John Roberts is not taking up those cases. You don't have to get into the rest of Donald Trump's, um, you know, lawsuits and all the other things about election fraud. But those were really clear cut. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that emboldened them in a very you know specific fashion. And look. The old adage about, uh, you know, what is democracy? It's, it's two wolves and a sheep deciding on what's for dinner. Right. I would add that a, a constitutional republic that protects the rights of the minority um, is giving that sheep a veto. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is a really important thing. Yep. And they want to throw that veto away. But the very specific language, and, and I wrote it down again while you were talking just there about determined minority. There's two messages in that. 
Um, and, and they're conjoined, but they're targeted at slightly different audiences. Okay. One is to empower the left base to say the old white views, those are now the minority. That's a favored talking point, essentially, on the left and has been for some time that that point was coming. And now they're saying it's here. What does it Sam say it again? I'm sorry. It w- uh, that that the old yeah. ideas, yeah. which were founded right. by the white people right. who right. created this right. country, right. the people who support those are now the minority. Right. And we're, we're, you know, we, according to them, we as a society are now ready to move beyond that. Yep. And that's a, a core tenet of the radical left base, mm-hmm. right? But the second element to what he is doing is targeting those people, and you and I have talked about it, how really only a a small percentage, maybe 30 percent or less of the country gets, you know, gets even half the news. Yep. They're targeting soft Republicans, traditional, more traditional Republicans, and creating a break between the people who support Donald Trump and those people. Yes. And one might even look at to some races in Arizona where they're trying to do the same thing, because you put your finger on it earlier in the previous segment when you Take out the personalities. And by the way, I have no I mean, I know people like to talk about Donald Trump as a rough personality. You know what? I've watched Joe Biden long enough to see. And if you read Clarence Thomas book, Clarence Thomas's book about how he treated him and you look at how the Democrats under Joe Biden treat one another and you look at the kinds of things going on in this White House. I have no evidence that Joe Biden is a nicer guy than Donald Trump. I have oh, no I, I have no evidence that says this isn't a mean SOB. No, no. Actually, I would say it's just the opposite. Okay. If, if, I, if you were asking me who is a better human being, it's Donald Trump by about 100 miles. I mean, it's not even close. Joe Biden has proven over the years that he is a inveterate liar, that he'll say absolutely anything to anyone, that he is cutthroat, ruthless, and mean. And, you know, look, this is a guy who... We can talk about Hunter Biden all we want, but fundamentally, Hunter Biden was just a stalking horse for Joe Biden. So think about the the callousness that it takes to expose your own son to very potentially serious legal ramifications, even if you considered those unlikely due to your position. Oh, that's an interesting point. That's such an interesting point. And then shield yourself with some form or some gloss or some patina of moral outrage infused immunity by saying, well, he should be, family should be off limits, weaponizing his addiction recovery, saying, well, you're going after, a, 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 you know, an addict in recovery. I saw Jill, uh, Jill, Dr. Jill Biden this morning on um, MSNBC saying the Republicans making a case of her son is, her words, cruel. I want to come back on all that. Um, I've taken, by the way, the PhDs who aren't actual medical doctors. I've got a new term. I just started calling them all FUDs. Yeah, okay. Well, (laughs) we don't have to call them doctors anymore. They're just FUDs. (laughs) You know, she's not even got the PhD. She's got the EDD, which is Uh, to those who know higher academic, you know, uh, higher education. They know that's below an MBA, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a joke. Yeah. Jill Biden MBA would be a promotion. All right. Let me let me come back on 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 Hunter, Joe and Jill when we come right back. Sam Stone's my guest. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Sam Stone, my guest. Follow him on Twitter, X, Twix, at Sam the Paul. Sam, so two points I left on the table in our last segment. Um, first of all, that point about the personalities of Joe Biden and Donald Trump and who's the better or worse individual person. Uh, my point in taking that off the table, even just conceding for a moment, it might be a wash. My point is the point you made earlier, which is that a wash um, or, or, or better or worse uh, against Joe Biden, that a wash. Yes, when you boil down Donald Trump's policies, his platform, the things he did as president, the things he talks about, <clears throat> Much like most Republicans that are in the Democrats' crosshairs, um, that it, it it is fairly standard Republican fare. Okay, maybe a little more Barry Goldwater than George H. W. Bush, or maybe a little bit more Ronald Reagan than Jerry Ford. But well, maybe a little more Bill Buckley than David Brooks or something. But well within the conservative traditional constellation, this is not extreme stuff. No, I mean, if if anything, actually, it was a return to a yes. earlier version yes. of a Republican yes. platform, yes. which yes. prioritized yes. the middle class. Yes, so. yes, yes, totally true. Now the part about this morally superior identification shield. When they say, as Dr. Jill Biden said, I, I'm just using it to, to mock it, but as Jill to distinguish her from Joe by 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 the way you hear it, when you hear Dr. Jill Biden say the Republicans are cruel by using Hunter Biden, this is an addict in recovery and you're shaming him for his addiction. No one is shaming him for his addiction recovery. No one. I question whether he's actually in recovery based on a lot of other evidence, but no one, no, not one of us would shame him for that. Not a one of us. Um, no, I don't I don't know anyone I mean, who does that. But you don't get to hide behind your things as shields for the behavior that you engage in um, any more than a, a Claudine Gay gets to hide behind any kind of nationality or anything else. Well, the behavior is the I behavior. Would, I would actually go further, Seth. I, I would I would take it another step because you know how recovery programs work. Yeah. One of the steps in actual recovery yes. is taking responsibility for the things you've done. Yes, yes. That is a great point. And when he continues to deny and lie, as recently as saying, what was he saying during the 20, what was the CBS thing? I think it was with Leslie Stahl or someone. He said, I have no idea if that's my my laptop. I don't know. Right. I mean, that right. is, that's a phrase they love to use. You, you got it with Lloyd Austin this week. He's taken full responsibility. I heard Karin Jean-Pierre and, and, and John Kirby say it at least five times two days ago. He's taking full responsibility, Lloyd Austin. What the hell does that mean? You, it doesn't mean you just say it. It's like the Seinfeld thing with reservation. You can't just say you're taking a reservation. You have to do something about it. You have to hold the reservation. You don't just say I'm taking responsibility. What does that mean? Does that mean he's going to resign? Does that mean he's going to offer to resign? Does that mean he's going to write a public apology with full disclosure as to what transpired and how this could happen? You can't just say take responsibility and have that mean something. It means something to take responsibility more than just uttering that you are. 
Yeah, it, it means a lot more. And actually, so I would have used a different example from this week, which is Anthony Fauci. Good, spent good, the week, good, you good. Know, having, yeah, yeah. having no recollection. He's He's been doing the Ollie North all week. I have no recollection of those <laughs> events. Um, and, you know, but meanwhile, you know, sort of saying, well, there was, you know, we I don't know what the justification was for six feet, for social distancing. It just came all up and we went with it. And, you know, I... We have to take responsibility for that. But but you're not. You're saying you don't. Yeah. What does the, that mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. What does that you mean? You know, you're very specifically not taking responsibility for that. So, I mean, you know, this is where I, I'm getting really frustrated, where it bothers me how how slanted and dishonest that most of the media is, because in any rational media environment where they were holding, you know, truth to power they would be hammered down on this and hammered down on Lloyd Austin. It's a really serious thing when the nuclear chain of command is broken. World's foremost nuclear superpower and your nuclear chain of command is broken for three days and nobody knows it. That's a big deal. That's, That's a big deal. Let me take a break and then answer this. That's a big deal. Is it a bigger deal? That no one seemed to care that they didn't know that Joe Biden's not in touch with his secretary of defense for 72 hours or even the deputy secretary of defense. It's not as if the world is living in a peaceful moment right now. Sam, let me have you respond to that when we come back. We'll be right back. Welcome, welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Sam Stone, political consultant and radio host in his own right. Uh, my uh, my guest, uh, Sam. Yes, the the Lloyd Austin thing has many levels of reverberation. Yes, what you said. Also, the notion that for three days in the midst of whether we're talking Ukraine, whether we're talking China, whether we're talking Iran, whether we're talking the Middle East, no one's talking to the Secretary of Defense. No one seems to know who the Secretary of Defense is. Lloyd Austin said he gave his power to the deputy. She didn't know. She's on vacation in Puerto Rico. Um so something very, very wrong is going on here. And then it raises another uncomfortable question, which is if they're willing to lie about that health condition of the Secretary of Defense, who's not exactly, as you point out, the Secretary of, I don't know, Education, <clears throat> it's a little little more important, uh, are they willing to lie about Joe Biden's health? Oh, without a doubt they are. And without a doubt they do. I mean, I am very convinced watching him that what they're doing is for key moments. They're shooting him up with adrenaline or another drug beforehand to prop him up temporarily. Uh, and then you see the crash afterwards, like we saw his confusion after his his big, vicious speech the other day. So um, but all of that, but the Lloyd Austin thing and not being in touch with the president. This is another thing that the world of journalism, including the ones on the right, are not taking seriously and not digging into. And that is a question that clearly should have been asked long before now, which is, who is the president? Right. It's very clear. And this is another this is a bright, shining red warning light that Joe Biden does not function in the role of a president in the way that his predecessors have, that he is at most a guide light for what his administration is doing, and at worst, simply just a prop-up figurehead. And so the bigger issue to me is is that whatever control and whatever organization they have created to be running the country with, that organization clearly did not know that one of its key members, its most key members, was not in the loop. Right. 
Right. This is the problem. This is why we have a president or, or cared about or concerned about. Yeah, all of it. Everything that goes with not being in the loop. Right. Right. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is why you have a president and not a presidential committee. Right. Right. Is so that there the buck stops with somebody. And it's really clear at this point that it is not Joe Biden in that role. And that brings the question, who is it? Who's responsible for what? Where where are the delineations in power? Who's making what decisions? And nobody in the media, the left media is assiduously avoiding asking those questions. But even the right side media is not asking that fundamental question. Who is making the decisions? Because it's increasingly apparent that it is not Joe Biden. Let me make it worse. Um, Let me let me add to your point, in other words, Sam, Uh, with every president that I can remember and that certainly you and I were alive for. And I know you can do this as well as I can with presidents who were obviously actively engaged because we've never seen anything like this before. We weren't alive for Woodrow Wilson. Every president that has been actively engaged with the press, the media, whatever, the news, speeches, campaigning, we also knew who the chief of staff of the White House was. I could probably ask the audience right now to name me the White House chief of staff, and no one would come up with the name Jeff Zients. He's not Uh, spoken about because normally that would be, you know, the guy who's kind of managing the president when he's got his wits about him, you know, when this is a compass mentis president. We have a non-compass mentis president, and we don't even, I mean, they don't even trot out or talk about the White House chief of staff. My point in saying it makes what you're saying worse is it, it it raises a larger question. It's probably not him. It's probably not even the chief of staff. No, I, I don't think it is. I, I do think that uh, – I mean, I just – sorry, I just blanked on his name, his first so, chief of uh, staff. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the, yes. Uh, Ron um, Klain. Ron Klain. Ron Klain. Yeah, Ron Klain. Yeah. I think he was central to the to the to that group. I agree to that. I agree to that. that I agree, yeah. I don't think this guy is. And and that makes me question where is that where is that functioning right. from? Right. Is it functioning from the White House or is it functioning from somewhere else? And you know, you hear a lot of theories of this is Obama and his people. It could be. It could also be the national intelligence agencies essentially funneling it through their their end. It could be the DNC and a very, you know, kind of nationalized functional network. But again, at the end of the day, uh, the very simple problem you have is that you cannot identify who's responsible for making decisions. Well, here might be a clue if we want to play that game. There's something very weird going on with the White House press conferences. I don't know if you've picked up on this, Sam, but since about October, I believe, the only only one time, only one single solitary time in those daily White House press briefings has Karen Jean-Pierre been alone. John Kirby is with her at every single one of them. He's the spokesman for the National Security Council. Um, yeah. He's with her and trading uh, the taking of questions at every as if she's under adult supervision, to your point, by the public face and voice of the National Security Council. I think that's interesting. This has never been the case with a White House secretary ever before. No. And, you know, what's so I do think there is and I brought up the the fact that it may be the intelligence agencies and kind of a group within them that that is largely running things. I think they are running things on a foreign policy 
perspective, right? Um, <laughs> Look how good that's working. Yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry. Well, as always, yeah. they've been terrible at yeah. this since World War II, but, yeah. but okay. But they, they are clearly – but those folks have never shown much interest in running the country internally. Right. And so who's responsible for that? I mean, again, all of this really comes down to I have not the vaguest clue – who might actually be responsible for making any of the decisions when it's obviously not the elected president. Right. It's almost as if we've become some kind of weird European democracy, his word democracy that he likes so much, where the prime minister is not the guy in charge, just kind of there, or vice versa, some, depending on the country. Sometimes the prime minister is in charge and the president is just, you know, kind of there for official duties and, and sometimes it rotates right. around. Right. He's almost like he's in that role. He's yeah, almost I like he's that, in that role, just kind of the figurehead, kind of the, the head well, of state who will meet with other heads of states and he'll get some three by five cards um, and read off them directly in one on one meetings. Remember when they made fun okay. of Ronald Reagan for three by five cards with the media? He, Joe Biden oh uses goodness. them for one on one meetings. Yeah, no, look, I mean, it's very clear that his staff doesn't trust Joe Biden to speak on his own. And, and you know, I mean, there there is sort of a model for this in the old monarchies, right, mm-hmm. where you would end up with a monarch who clearly wasn't capable at the end of their life of taking on the duties. And you would have all sorts of palace intrigues, depending on who was, uh, you know, actually in charge at that time. And that led to, you know, if you want to go back for history, those moments are what led to many of the most brutal, nasty, bloody turnovers uh, of governments in history, right? Because when you're signaling that level of weakness, all of a sudden, and this is, to me, a lot of what's behind Russia's actions in Ukraine, China's actions toward Taiwan, Iran's actions throughout the Middle East, is they all smell the blood and they know the king is not in charge. Yep, they know right. he's not running the palace. You want a closing thought on my uh, last segment here? Give me any concept you have of what we might see Monday in Iowa. Oh, certainly. All right. We'll be right back with more from Sam Stone. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y Refi. They have an investment opportunity that invests you with power and flexibility. You get a monthly statement, obviously, uh, and with no surprises, but you also get a lot of peace of mind in that there's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are absolutely no fees. Turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. And the best part, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, 10 and a quarter percent fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. Sam Stone has been our guest. Sam, uh, Monday, Iowa caucuses. Anything you expect to see really interesting or anything we should be looking out for by your lights? Um, Well, a couple of things. First, watch out for the weather. Uh, it is projected to be unbelievably cold yep. uh, throughout that day. Yep. And so uh, that is a real effect on who turns up, especially under the caucus system. Yep. So um, I do actually think that that may favor, you know, probably a, it might actually favor a Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis in terms of people who are motivated to vote against Trump. Yep. 
um, where Trump voters, I think, will expect that they're going to win, should win. I certainly still expect him to win very handily. Yeah. But that could be a concern. So something the Trump administ- uh, Trump campaign, I know, is very focused on is making sure their people turn out. Here's my other prediction is that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy does not finish fourth. Oh, OK. OK. I actually think he will finish third. OK. Um, which will be very surprising to allow his campaign to continue potentially at least for South Carolina. Well, that will be interesting. He's can't, I think he's campaigning today with Candace Owens, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, that makes it interesting. I was saying just yesterday, I don't agree with him on everything. He wouldn't be my first or second choice, but I do love listening to him when he's right. He's great. He's particularly wonderful. And young David had a great idea. If he doesn't make it to the presidency, Young David said he should be the press secretary because no one knows how to handle the press better than he does. He would be a great press secretary. Oh, my goodness. That's Young David. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, spot that one because no one said that to me that I've heard of before. Right. And boy, First, he'd be brilliant. Wouldn't he yeah. be great? You saw how he handled the Washington Post and NBC last week. He just knows how to take that fastball and throw it right in their face, too. Yeah. There, there's a there's a real art now to a confrontational interview, yep. and you have to be good at it. And I mean, you really on our side yep. have to be, and he's great at it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Sammy, thank you. I appreciate everything you do uh, for our community, for us, for this show. Uh, you can listen to Sam Stone on Saturdays at 3 p.m. right here, Breaking Battlegrounds. You can follow him on Twix at Sam the Paul. On behalf of Sam and myself and young David and Bill and Terry and everyone else and all of you, God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson and class is dismissed. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525.